Today we are continuing our draft recap, getting a little bit deeper into the Chargers' day three draft picks, including Darius Davis, who may have been a reach, but it doesn't mean he's a bad pick. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together now for seven seasons, but this is our fifth season as a host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen and to make sure you never miss the show. Go follow or subscribe for free on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcast from. David, what do we got today? On today's show, we are going to continue breaking down the Chargers 2023 draft class, focusing on their day three picks. And the Chargers felt like they got some quality players, a guy they feel like is going to make an impact on special teams, some depth on their offensive and defensive line, and potentially your backup quarterback of the future. Absolutely. That's exactly what we're getting into today. And I think there's even perceived reaches in this part of the draft class for the Chargers. I think there's a lot of reason to like pretty much all of these picks, including Darius Davis, the most electric return main in college football last year. But this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. David, the Chargers started things off with a bang, and I think it frustrated a lot of fans when they took Darius Davis, the wide receiver from TCU, Quentin Johnson's teammate, Max Duggan's teammate, who we're going to talk about at the end of the show. Because this is a guy who, by the consensus, consensus mock draft database, was the 239th pick in the draft, or, you know, late seventh round pick. Dane Brugler had him as a sixth or seventh round pick, basically a strict return man. But I think when you're trying to look at why the Chargers did this, David, I mean, when the day three picks hit, you're always looking for guys who could potentially develop into a role, maybe become starters down the road. And in this case, even if it might seem like a reach, this is a guy who is going to have a role for the Chargers. They've already given him dual returning roles coming in. That's right. And and that's why I feel like with Darius Davies being picked in the fourth round, and, and first of all, all of these opinions are all subjective. It's all just what they expect him to be, what they project him to be coming in. But, you know, for Darius Davis... Uh, I like the player, and I think that's what makes it a little bit easier to digest when you're thinking about taking him or, or when you have to to stomach the Chargers taking him in the fourth round. But I like the player, and, and that's why I think it makes it a little bit easier for me to digest on that. Well, let's be honest. The Chargers didn't have a player at that position, right? That's so right. They did yeah. reach. It's in part because they don't have a return man. DeAndre Carter was that guy for them last season. You needed a DeAndre Carter replacement and I think this guy should be able to improve on what DeAndre Carter was able to do and yes as a kick returner I think he'll be a little bit better because I don't think either you know DeAndre Carter that wasn't really what his role was right the Chargers nah. were not a good kick return team last not season but all. he's still the one that got the kick return so like it just yeah. wasn't good enough in that aspect I think this is a guy who can come and help that but when you're looking to upgrade that specific position and what the Chargers had and you know, DeAndre Carter last year, we don't know what that would have looked like in Kellen Moore's offense. But yeah. this is a guy that's coming in where you're not expecting him to have to be that for you. I think when you're looking at what he did well, David, I mean, the Chargers 
pretty clearly reached for this guy because they felt like he was far and away the best returner in this class. And I mean, he has a lot of things they can prove that with. There's no question about it. And I think if you, you look at what Darius Davis brings to the table, it's he's a sudden athlete. I mean, he has exceptional burst. I mean, for a guy his size, yeah, he's small. I mean, there, there's no question. He's five foot eight, 165 pounds. But if you're going to be that size, you better be explosive and you better be quick. And that is absolutely what Darius Davis brings to the table. He does have real, true, deep speed, but he's more of a gadget guy on offense. Where he's going to make his impact right away is on special teams. And some of the things that make him so special as a kick and punt returner is his ability to make those quick decisions, that quick twitch, and that home run speed. I mean, all of those things are what's going to make Darius Davis a tremendous offensive weapon and more importantly, a kick returner, punt returner right away. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that he averaged 15 yards per punt return during his entire college career over five seasons. That's a, a ridiculous number. That's insane. I mean, led the country multiple times in punt return touchdowns because he has five in his career, also has a kick return touchdown. I think his kick return years were all average except for the year that he ran one back and that boosted that average yards per Definitely. return. <laughs> but he, I, I think when you're talking about burst and being quick and suddenness and all those things, that like to me, he has straight line speed. I, I, yeah. like his agility grade's really bad as far as RES score. He did not test well as far as the explosiveness or the agility grades go. But he did run in the four threes, which is obviously yes. what's attractive to Charger fans. And even if he's not the most, you know, technical kickoff returner maybe doesn't always make the best decisions or hit at a super high clip he's always a threat to take it to the house yeah. i think as far as what you're looking for him offensively it would be kind of close to what you saw from deandre carter even in a new offense those are the types of manufactured touches when yeah. deandre carter was you know wide receiver four or five for the charge before all the injuries started to pile up right. and he had to have a much bigger role and we've seen him do that that's the nice thing you've seen him get you know screen passes you've seen him get little shovel passes yeah and so you, it's pretty easy to see it. I mean, I think, you know, what Tom Tolesco said about him is fair. Hey, they brought this dude in to be a kick returner, and then maybe at some point he can kind of earn a role in the offense. Yeah, that, I mean, there, that's for sure. I, I think you probably want to see him put a little bit more weight on if you're going to see him on, on offense. I mean, at 165 pounds, that is definitely light. I, I do feel like he is a, a, a pretty, like, strong pound for pound type of player and you know when he does i did when i watched him block i didn't see like he was at least out of place i mean he, he definitely you he said gave pugnacious. a lot of good effort Say pugnacious. Yes, pugnacious is the word that i use to describe go. him just because he is a smaller guy but the effort is there and, it, and it, like i said he didn't look out of place but the type of offensive touches that he needs to be taking are those ones where he's has the limited impact. It, it needs to be every once in a while, four or five touches in a, in a game in the right situations. This is not a guy that you want to see on the field on offense for 25 to 30 snaps. If that's what's happening, then there is a lot of injuries like what happened with DeAndre Carter. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to be ready to step into that role right away, but he should be making an impact on special teams immediately. Yeah, and that's what's attractive. You can get a fourth-round pick that you know is going to come in and be a starter for you somewhere. Yeah, I get it, even though it definitely was a reach by the consensus standards. Do I think he probably would have gone earlier than that because he was probably clearly the best returner coming into this draft? Yeah, like it wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all if he went fifth or sixth round. I think yeah. the argument is always, hey, could you have taken someone else and waited on Darius Davis? 
Sure. We don't know. You know, we just don't know. But I think the other thing that gives you hope is just you feel like Ryan Ficken was a big advocate for this pick. Oh, yeah. Which makes it feel a lot better because that dude has done almost the unthinkable, which is turning around the Charger special teams unit, which went from a complete liability and embarrassment a lot of times to, you know, one of the strengths, maybe the strength of their team last yeah, year. Yeah, a clear asset. The most well-rounded, right? you know, facet of the Chargers team. When yeah. you're talking about the cons, though, the reasons it would be a reach, right, is just because he's not going to give you much probably as a traditional receiver where you're going to ask him to go, you know, create separation and you yeah. know, run, finally run routes and things like that. He's probably not bringing that to the table. Has a pretty small frame as well. I don't know how much weight you're adding to that. Yeah. And I think that this is the big thing. Even though you saw him run, you know, in the four threes, I don't think this is the deep threat Chargers fans want. Like, you can have speed, but, like, speed isn't always just the biggest factor in, you know, being able to attack the field deep. We all want speed, of course, you know. But, yeah. like, out of this dude's catches last season, even though he just came off of his best offensive season ever, right? Yeah. He only had three catches that were 20-plus air yards down the field. So this was not something he was doing. He was not a legitimate deep threat right. as a receiver. He was more, hey, if he can catch it, he always has the chance to take me to the house. Definitely, but I think yes. that's kind of a misconception a little bit. It's like, I don't think he's going to be going out here and just kind of running go routes and having, you know, Justin Herbert throw it to him 70 yards down the field. No, I mean, it would definitely be exciting just to see how far mm. Justin Herbert could throw the football yeah. and, and, and watch Darius Davis run under it. But, yeah, that, that type of frame, it just doesn't lend itself. I mean, that, that size, it doesn't lend itself to being a, a deep threat because, I mean, you're going to be in those situations where you're going to have to go up and get the football inevitably. And if he just doesn't have the type of profile to be able to do that. I mean, your best bet is that there's a coverage breakdown and Justin Herbert just gets the, the – you know, toss it to him in empty space and then just watch him gallop away. But he's not a, a guy that you want on those. I mean, that's why you bring back a guy like Jalen Guyton. I mean, that's what his role is more primarily going to be because he has the size and the speed to be able to attack deep down the field a little bit more effectively. Yeah, and we'll see what his role is too because you do have a new downfield threat in Quentin Johnson, obviously, yeah. as well. So. I like Darius Davis a lot. As a player, we liked him. It was someone yeah. that we were hoping would be a sleeper for the Chargers they could pick up later in the draft, obviously. But it doesn't mean, you know, if you're getting someone who's contributing meaningful snaps to your football team in the fourth round, I think sometimes you just don't overthink it. And even though yeah. it could be a reach, you have to give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe this dude does come in and, you know, is a special player as a punt returner. And Kellen Moore can find some ways to kind of scheme him open and, you know, not have his size be held against him by yeah. getting him in the right situations to just showcase that athleticism because he obviously is super athletic. But yes. there are more guys to choose from, and there wasn't a lot to be mad about on day three. I totally understood the pick, especially the next pick. We're talking about Jordan McFadden because, to me, it just signifies one thing, which is the Chargers continuing to invest in the talent in front of Justin Herbert and trying to keep him upright and healthy and building depth in the offensive line with Jordan McFadden, who will break down Coming up after this, but I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is FanDuel. So make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And guys, what I love about FanDuel is there's so many great things that you can bet on. And you also get great promotions every day, safe and secure app, and you get paid instantly. Nobody wants to wait for their money. You don't have to do that with FanDuel. And the other thing I love 
star player props, finding the stars in the NBA playoffs. And you can also do a little doubles action where you find a prop for a star player. For example, Steph Curry going over 35 plus points and also the Golden State Warriors winning the game. You'll get that at over plus 200. So a lot of fun bets and a lot of fun ways to kind of increase your chances of winning it big. And there's no better place to bet on the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's get into the Chargers, a fifth-round pick, someone that we didn't see coming. I forget who. Somebody tweeted me, and they're like, hey, what are the Chargers going to do next? And they DM me, and I was like, you know, they could go tight end. You know. Was it K-Man? Uh, yeah, I think it was K-Man. He was saying, yeah. you know, could go tight end or safety. And I was like, yeah, they could do those things, or they could just go uh, random offensive lineman. And that's yeah. what we saw. Jordan McFadden, not somebody that we broke down in the pre-draft process. David, the Chargers had a lot of big needs, right? They're gonna yeah. get we're gonna get into tomorrow where the Chargers didn't fill those needs and kind of what happens next. But for now, it's encouraging to me to see the Chargers not resting on their laurels with the offensive line. The only way they were gonna try to fill guys and get guys at positions of every knee is if they traded back. And we know they didn't do that, right? So they yeah. only had seven picks to choose from. And with their fifth round pick, I really like the guy that they got in Jordan McFadden, the offensive guard. With some tackle versatility from Clemson, he was Dane Brugler's eighth best guard in the draft. He got a fourth round grade on him. But it's very easy to see why, David, because the Chargers' interior offensive line depth was pretty barren going into the draft. It was, for sure. And and I think this is why we both felt like this was a a position group that the Chargers would add to, could add to, and then they did add to. And I'm glad to see that they did do that because that just means that they're committed to trying to continue to add talent to that offensive line and also trying to find guys that are, you know, later on in the draft that, you know, can fill out that room and be a quality contingency, a, a good quality backup because that position group, the offensive line, they deal with so much attrition and the amount of times and the amount of different combinations that they usually have to come up with. It's never the same five guys. So you have to have the five guys that you love that you want to play the majority of the snaps, but you got to also have guys that you feel comfortable being able to come in in a pinch and be able to provide some quality snaps for you. I agree with that. And I think the other thing that you get with it is versatility because at least projected versatility, right? We'll talk about that because I think one of the cons for him too is just, we love to say he could transition well to guard, but we didn't actually see him do that in college. He was either a right, right tackle or a left tackle. But really, you know, this is looking for that next Jamari Sawyer type. Yeah. That can come in and, you know, you want to groom him as a guard, but if you need him in a pinch to go in and be a tackle, maybe he can do that, right? Or yeah. in this case, maybe since you have a guy like this who could be a swing guard, maybe that lets Jamari Sawyer kick out to right or left tackle in a pinch if you really need him to because you have a yeah. guard you feel good about. The Chargers have been desperately trying to hide Brendan Hymas. I mean, I feel like this is a year you could absolutely see him pushed for his roster spot. Just oh, absolutely. Because we have yes. not seen him. And the Chargers making this pick, I think, kind of tells you how they feel about the guys they have behind their starters right now. Will Clapp is a guy who has some versatility, but I think they think of him more as a backup center. Sure. And I think the other thing with this guy specifically was brought up by Tom Telesco after they drafted him was, we think he could be a center down the road. So maybe this is also kind of that Corey Lindsley long-term plan. Let's get a body in here that we can start working with early. And I think one of the other things, David, is too, is I think their camaraderie that's going to get built with this guy 
and the rest of the guys who go out and work out with Duke Manyweather because this is a Duke Manyweather guy. He said that he trained him up through the draft combine process, and I'm sure probably someone who's going to continue to train with him during the offseason and after he turned around Trey Pipkins, right, or after the turnaround that Trey Pipkins made while working with Duke Manyweather, I'm a firm believer in it, right? He might as well be an offensive line god to me. But yep. as far as, like, the pros, David, <laughs> I mean, I think it's easy to see what the Chargers liked here. I mean, potential versatility, right, getting that versatility, long arms, which they love, pretty, like, he looks like a guard, right? He has the oh, proper yeah. girth of a guard. He's broad-shouldered. Definitely. He's thicker. And I think there's a lot to like. I mean, I think that it makes a lot of sense if you're getting this guy in the fifth round. I could definitely see this dude turning into someone who wouldn't be a total disaster to put into a game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hey, six foot two, three hundred and three pounds. I think that's probably why they envision him maybe a little bit more as that center of the future. Because yeah. that's prototypically more of the size that you're looking for with that's a pretty center, short but... even for a guard, right? Center, yeah, that's, it is. that is almost center kind of like height exactly. But like most six foot two dudes, which is what this dude is, right? Six two. Yeah. Don't have 34-inch arms either. Right. Like, With, that is obviously extremely abnormal, but that also helps him out a lot because he does a good job of keeping defenders away from his chest, and he uses that length to be able to do that. I think he plays with a mean streak. He definitely has a very physical demeanor. Uh, I feel like he's pretty rock-solid in pass protection. He's uh, really good at uh, kind of keeping the edge rushers away from the quarterback and kind of moving them around the pocket and kind yeah. of redirecting them out of the pocket. Um, I feel like he's uh, has a pretty good anchor. You know, that's something we were talking about how he has improved that anchor, the uh, anchor through time in college. And he's always looking for work. He's got his head on swivel. He's looking for guys to try to eliminate. He's always trying to do his best to protect his quarterback. You love that, you know. You want someone that's bringing their lunch pail and wants to get to work in. And I yes. think as far as, you know, finding the work, he seemed to always be able to do that. I think especially yeah. as a senior last year, like he had pretty good reads on stunts and, you know, slants and things like that and didn't get himself very much out of position, you know, as far as getting tricked by what the defensive front was doing. Seemed right. like he was a pretty high IQ player in that regard. Super clean bill of health injury-wise, I think is something you love to see as well. Yes, And I mean, the very first game I watched was him versus the 2021 Georgia defense. You know, if you're looking for who, trying to remember who that is, just look at the Eagles defensive roster. Right now. You'll remember remember how many good dudes were on that. So, like, he settled into that game, I thought, and played pretty well in it. And this is also a Shrine Bowl darling from the Chargers, someone who stood out at the Shrine Bowl, and it seems like the Chargers are very much invested in using even that smaller kind of all-star game, collegiate all-star game to yeah. find guys later on in the draft, right, that aren't as highly touted and aren't getting sure. the senior bowl invites. And we know they love senior bowl players as well. Jordan Definitely McFadden they do. and Scott Matlock, who we're going to talk about next, both these dudes were at the East-West Shrine Bowl. So I, I think that is where, you know, probably a lot of, you know, them liking this dude kind of came from, or at least yeah. putting them him on their radar. Yeah. As far as what the cons are, never played guard in college. I thought he got beat by quicker moves inside a lot. Um, and I think that helps, you know, when you have Corey Lindsley on your inside, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, and you're not playing tackle because that's right. the hard thing with this dude is like the evaluation process is a little bit harder because you didn't see him play guard last year. Right. Jamari Sawyer played left tackle, but he also had tape at guard. We right. he did play guard at some point so you yes. could see it and it wasn't just a pure projection. And I think the thing is with him is he could sustain blocks a little bit longer. You could see him getting visibly frustrated when like. A block where, you know, a guy would get away from him, and he's like, why hasn't the ball come out of the quarterback's right, hands yeah. yet? 
it's like five plus seconds and he's like why why yeah. am i still in this position yeah sure and then i mean one thing we kind of both agreed on is just he finds himself reaching at times and getting a little bit off balance that yeah puts him in hard situations and when he gets in those hard situations he has a tough time recovering without kind of grabbing on and i think of the next level that could draw some flags but i think both of our takeaway here is like hey commitment to justin herbert right yes building for the future getting yourself depth, continuing to pour resources into the offensive line. We're both fans of. Is the guy a flawed player? Sure. Can he work into something better? I think we both would agree that, yeah, this is a dude you could see starting down the road if he had to and has all the potential to do it, and the kind of groundwork has already been laid. Not everyone's going to be Jamari Sawyer, right? Like, no, no. It's, a, it's a hard ask of anyone. But yeah, just like you're not going to have Rashawn Slater be an sure. all, you know, have an all pro in his rookie year, right? Sure, just, sure. It's not the norm. Yeah, and I, and I, I like what I saw from Jordan McFadden. He was totally yeah. off my radar. I was pleasantly surprised when I watched him. Only two quarterback hits given up all of last year, playing left tackle, four points in. Yeah, according to Pro Football Focus. So the guy has some stats to you know back it up, has some production. It's just how is he going to transition on the inside? That still is yet to be seen. But yeah. even in the sixth round, David, the Chargers were finding players I could get really excited about because Scott Matlock, who we're going to be talking about, the defensive lineman from Dan's Boise State, is here for souls, right? And when you hear someone say that, you're automatically going to have a fan in me. So we're going to talk about Scott Matlock and David's favorite draft pick of the draft, Max Duggan, coming up right after this. Excited that we get to get a little bit deeper into these guys, especially since we didn't watch some of these guys before the draft process. Obvious Darius Davis, we did. But I'm glad we get to talk about, you know, guys like Scott Matlock, who I didn't really even know existed before the Chargers picked him up with the 200th pick in the sixth round. And we're going to talk about Max Duggan as well before getting into tomorrow where we were always this week going to be talking about the biggest needs like safety and corner and kind of where those position groups are at. Running back to the Chargers feel like they needed a running back. Well, according to Kellen Moore, it doesn't even sound like he thinks the Chargers really needed a tight end because that's just what he had to work with in Dallas. And it's yeah. going to be different here. So we have that coming up tomorrow as well as Fan Mail Friday coming up later in the week where you guys can get your questions in or call into the voicemail line at 323 323- Five two four seven nine two four. But if you're an everydayer, you already know. So, Dave, let's talk about Scott Matlock. Hard not to like this dude. I, yeah. I mean, this is a dude who's projected to be, you know, a seventh round pick, maybe even an undrafted free agent by some. But all the ESPN people, when they made the draft pick, were saying, "Hey, this is a dude." Whether it's the Shrine Bowl, whether yeah. it's just more guys getting eyes on him, or was really, really kind of on the up and up during this draft process. And you know, some guys even thought he could be a fifth round pick by the time the draft came along. Easy to see why, David, and easy, another easy guy to root for. This is a dude who lost both of his parents by 2013, yeah. lost his dad to cancer, lost his mom to heart disease, got adopted by another. Foster care. Yeah. yeah, was in foster care and had to bounce around a little bit before getting adopted and then turning himself into a legitimate NFL prospect, right, and bouncing around positions too from high school to college, staying local in Boise, this guy is a lot of fun to root for, David. I'm going to be, you know, definitely pulling for him, especially when you hear stories like this. And I think when you're looking at why it makes sense for the Chargers, what they would like, plays with a really nice energy, plays with an yeah. edge. That was one of the themes I could see from this draft class. Like, yeah, the Chargers are getting defenders who play through the whistle. Yes. Tui Tuipolo too, right? Dayon Henley and now Scott Matlock. There's a certain kind of aggressiveness in, like, these dudes wanting to be in on every tackle that I really loved, and I definitely saw that with this guy. 
Definitely saw that with Scott Malock. I love, love, love the attitude and the demeanor that he brings to the table and the personality. I mean, it's definitely great. I mean, when he's off the field and then he kind of locks in when he's on the field, he's like, hey, man, you know, he's one of those guys that get to say, hey, I get to go out there and I get to commit acts of violence and I get to get away with it. That's right. the type of like attitude this is the that he Yeah, like this is the only way I can be this violent and have like no one trying to arrest me. Exactly. But hey, six foot, and another reason why this is important, just to reiterate again, is you have a couple of guys in your defensive line room that are recovering from very serious injuries with Otito Abonia and Austin Johnson. So you got to have a quality contingency plan. You got to add bodies to that room. That's another position just like the offensive line that deals with a lot of attrition but according to for for scott malock here versatile defensive lineman played inside and played outside definitely feel like he's much better suited for the inside i feel like his quickness and his ability to attack guards was much more effective i feel like when he got on the outside and they put him on the outside going up against tackles i just don't feel like his game was better suited for that feel like the tackles uh, got the got the better of him, and and I feel like they they put him in that position, whether that was out of necessity or whether they felt like he just you know worked better in that situation. He definitely looked and was much more aggressive and much more productive on the inside, rushing against guards. Well, and you're saying that for what reason, right? He had seven sacks in 2021, yeah. and he had two sacks in 2022. So I think that's part of the reason why he dropped so much. But right. then. You know, and that when I first looked at it, it was like, okay, that is kind of weird. You don't want to see the production take that big of a hit. Yeah. But he was basically a defensive tackle playing edge rusher, right? Two different positions. And it seemed like he was much more on the edge in 2022. Yeah. And when he was in 2021 on the interior, he had yeah. seven sacks. And he was really just a backfield presence that you'd want. I mean, one of the biggest things yeah. about this guy is, hey, do I want to take a guy who only had two sacks last year? And I would say yes, because this dude, I think, unlike some of the other guys the Chargers have brought in, like Tito Abonia, even Austin Johnson, Sebastian yeah. Joseph Day, like I feel like all of those guys are limited in as far as what their pass rush potential is. Everyone yeah. outside of Morgan Fox, I think, is more for run-stuffing purposes, less for pass rushing purposes. This guy, I think, projects into someone that could be a rotational factor on the defensive line and a guy that I thought had a lot of really good pass rush moves. And I thought his quickness was really too much for guards at time, yeah. but at the same time showed enough strength to be a factor on the interior without just getting totally pushed around. Brand Staley called yeah. him a war daddy. He said in his interview that he was coming for souls and trying to take another grown man's job. <laughs> and also it. David blocked multiple field goals and a PAT. In his I was going to bring that up. Man. Yeah, it's so like he's reading my notes. For sure. The things I was a little surprised by, shorter arms, right? Two yeah. guys, edge rusher and defensive tackle in this class, where the Chargers kind of get away from their needing long arms. 32.75-inch arms for this guy. So not incredibly short, but not long by any means. Right. And then I would say, you know, going to be 23 this year, left a couple of sacks and, ta and tackles, I think, on the table as far as just being able to finish. But, like, I really liked what I saw from this dude. Once upon a time, I really loved Cortez Braun, too, so maybe I'm not the expert on this, but <laughs> I loved what I saw from him. Like, it's very easy for me to see why the Chargers felt like they needed to take this dude in the sixth round. Yeah. Max Duggan, on the other hand, though, David, that was one where, you know, yesterday we talked about why we didn't like the pick, right? Sure. Today I want to talk about just him as a player. No value part of it, not whether the Chargers are keeping three quarterbacks right. on the active roster. What did you see when you kind of just watched him as a player that you liked and didn't like? 
Yeah, so just you know, stripping away, stripping away all the other stuff here. Creator on the feet, definitely very dangerous. Uh, carrying the football, a very tough football player. Uh, I mean, maxed out it, toughness, pun and intended. He had, <laughs> and, and he had to. But when it comes to throwing with the football, uh, there's a lot of inconsistencies there. I mean, he, he's not very accurate throwing on the run. He he, he can't. Um, he's not really accurate on the deep balls either. Like the ball placement, it's just not there. I mean, th- those are the fundamental issues of playing quarterback that really, for me, like uh, going into the NFL at this level, I mean, you shouldn't have those kind of issues on a like regular basis. And yeah. that's kind of what I was watching when I watched the tape on, on Max. When you also have to think that the quarterback David sees the most is Justin Herbert. So yeah, uh, it, it's kind of very hard to, you know, compare this guy and, you know, try to talk yourself into a dude that if he was a good quarterback would be going much, much or earlier, right? Obviously. What yes. you're hoping for this guy, you know, this guy is never going to take over for you. You're not planning on him being a starter ever because you have Justin yeah. Herbert. Right, right. As far as why they would do it, right? This is a chance to replace Stick as the Chargers' longtime backup behind yeah. Justin Herbert, potentially. Which for pennies is on the dollar. be yeah. much cheaper as a seventh-round pick you get to control for four years than it is bringing in someone like Chase Daniel for, you know, two or three, four million dollars, exactly. right? Yes. This guy is going to cost a lot less than that. I, I think it's also nice that it's not just Easton Stick as far as, you know, who is going to potentially be the backup for this team. At least he has some competition, and maybe he'll even get some competition behind him to yeah. push him for that three-quarterback, the third-quarterback spot. The Chargers are insistent on doing it. Um, what I liked, I mean, yes, athlete at the position, uh, you know, show great resilience just this season. I mean, he was benched this season. Like, he did not win the quarterback competition going into this year. Ended up getting in because of an injury to the starter after starting for three years prior to that. And then took TCU to the national championship game where they got shellacked for sure. But like, oh, yeah. if you go based on that logic, though, like you would go back to like when Clemson got absolutely destroyed in the national championship game and AJ Terrell got toasted. And now is one of the yes. best corners in the NFL. If you're basing yeah. it just off that one game, you would have just talked yourself out of an incredibly good right. player. So yeah. it's important not to put too much stock in that one game, even though it is great to see what you do against great competition. Of course. Of course. Maximum toughness. Long-term Easton stick replacement, chance to be a very cheap backup, not afraid to throw the deep ball. I think you can definitely say 17 plus 20 yard touchdowns last season, last season, according to Dane Brugger with the beast and willing to stand in there and take a hit, right? And play yeah. through injuries and all of those things. Oh, I think they're definitely all things. I think you want in a backup quarterback, right? Cause if you're in the game in an emergency situation, you're going to have to be out there toughing it out. Yeah. That being said, I'd say, you know, a lot of underthrown balls that we saw with Quentin Johnson and even Darius Davis. I thought he yeah. put his wide receivers in compromised positions a yes. few times, which I didn't love to see. Having to wait on the football, it's not a good Accuracy thing. issues, mechanics are wonky, you know, made some poor reads and some poor decisions, throwing into double coverage and things like that. But you're also getting a guy who has chemistry with Quentin Johnston, has chemistry with Darius Davis, to where if he does get in, at least kind of he has you know, some reps with those guys. And, and now, he can impart that knowledge, more importantly, to Justin Herbert. And so that, I mean, I think. And not only that, that David, tangible. but while these dudes are, you know, wide receiver four and six coming into camp, yeah. this is the dude that's going to be throwing the ball to them with the second team potentially, right? And getting reps yes. and like actually helping them learn this new offense while they're all learning it together and with a guy that already kind of knows their tendencies. So I think it yes. gives them a better read early on in the preseason, kind of what they have in these guys and how they're going to be used. 
Yeah. Not our favorite pick, right? I mean, and it's more about just the the you know roster building philosophy and stuff exactly, like that. Exactly. Yes. But like, it, you're also in an age when you know getting up an extra second gets the second quarterback in, and now it could be the first quarter, and you only have one quarterback left. So a lot right. of teams are doing it. Uh, it. We can't really squabble over that because that's just what they're going to do regardless. So as far as trying to find a cheap long-term backup, they didn't spend, you know, a third round pick trying to find Justin Herbert's long-term backup. Yeah. We can have, we can be happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. So like they used a seventh round pick to potentially get someone cheap. And like last year they used all their late round picks on guys like Dean Leonard, Ryan, Jasir Taylor, and got those special teams guys. They have guys yeah. like Nick Neiman and bong that are both special teams guys. So yeah, like they have enough special teams guy. They took a chance on someone they thought was going to get taken and undrafted free agency basically. Cause that's the only reason you would do this, right? Yeah. You think that you have to lock him up there and get him for four years. Cause you're, there's going to be a bidding war once undrafted free agency starts. Yes. They went and got him. They like him. It is what it is. But I do think there's honestly kind of a little bit of like Kellen Moore in him as well. But like Kellen Moore was a much, much better quarterback. But maybe Kellen Moore sees a little bit of himself in him, right? May- as maybe, far as just maybe like true. Young scrapper. I mean, who yeah. knows? I'm sure he thinks he could do something with him if the Chargers are making this pick. But well, hey, man, he he made Cooper Rush very, very productive and a winner. So yeah, we'll exactly. see. We'll see yeah. what happens. Who's to, who's to say he couldn't do that with Easton Stick or Max Deggan in this case? Another fun dude, you know, fun, tough gamer. Like, he yeah. is a true gamer. Yeah. A lot of stuff he has to work on, but luckily he shouldn't be asked to be taking, you know, starting stats for the Should have a lot of time to work on it, yeah. Should have a lot of time to work on it. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Do not forget to be back here tomorrow, though, because we are getting into the biggest needs, and whether Titan is a need, according to Kevin Moore, because he thinks he's just going to be working with the weapons that he's got. But still, questions in the secondary questions at running back after the Chargers didn't address it and really didn't even seem like they ever wanted to address it so we're gonna have all that and also our fan mail Friday later on in the week so make sure you guys get your questions in there by following us on social media you can find the show's page at Lockdown LIC on Twitter as well as me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at Drotalk SD and also to make sure you don't miss the show follow or subscribe for free on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcast from you can also find us on Instagram at Lockdown Chargers and on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. But make sure you guys are back here tomorrow. We get into the biggest post-draft needs and kind of maybe some options that could fill it. John Johnson's still out there. This is about the time when guys start getting signed after the draft. So we're going to get into that. But to make sure, but until then, you guys, take it easy and go Bolts.